It's time for Green Visions. Green Visions is a production of The North 103.3 to encourage green thinking and green actions. Green Visions is made possible by the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future. And our guest today is Matt Santo from the 1854 Treaty Authority. We'll be talking about aquatic invasive species. Matt is in the studio. Welcome, Matt. Hi, Luke. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. So let's start out with uh, the 1854 Treaty Authority and maybe just some of the goals and responsibilities of that authority before we get into the depths of uh, aquatic invasive species. Sure, yeah. So the 1854 Treaty Authority is a natural resource management agency. Uh, It's uh, intertribal, so it's uh, managed by Boys Fort and Grand Portage Bands of uh, Chippewa. Uh, So it's pretty similar to the DNR that people are more familiar with. Uh, We manage the specifically the um, 1854 ceded territory, uh, which is the land uh, ceded to the United States government by the Lake Superior Chippewa in the Treaty of 1854. Uh, and this is present-day northeastern Minnesota. Uh, so it's a pretty wide area, uh, but it uh, crosses a lot, of, a lot of jurisdictions with, you know, our uh, partners that we work with quite a bit, so like the DNR, uh, county, federal, uh, other tribal entities, we all work pretty close with those. And the the main goal of the organization is to uh, protect the um, uh, uh, treaty rights uh, reserved within the treaty. Uh, those treaty rights uh, cover you know hunting, fishing, gathering, uh, off reservation within the uh, public lands in the uh, city territory. And our, our ultimate goal is to you know protect, preserve, and enhance those. Uh, rights and activities, make sure that there, you know, there are uh, native beings that are, you know, there's fish on the landscape, there's animals, there's plants uh, in, you know, public areas that allow, uh, so band members can exercise those treaty rights, and more importantly, that there are uh, actually public lands and access available to them. Sure, sure. And when it comes to that that protection aspect of it, we're definitely talking uh, aquatic invasive species. What are some of the specific objectives that um, you're working on? What methods, actions are being taken towards uh, the preservation of, you know, keeping aquatic invasive species away or or, um, at least um, minimizing their effects? Sure, yeah. So um, I think feel like a lot of boaters are familiar with, you know, the clean, drain, dry uh, methodology now for you know, cleaning out their boats and watercraft before they travel to a different water body. Uh, one kind of emerging concern is uh, this concept of organisms and trade or trade pathways, uh, which is basically, you know, um, uh, essentially commerce. So, you know, these industries that move uh, uh, you know, organisms from one area to another, such as like gardening, uh, pet trade, you know, aquariums or live bait trade. Uh, all these, you know, the core concept of these uh, industries is moving species around, which is, as an invasive species specialist, uh, particularly concerning. Um, so, you know, as far as uh, AIS, uh, you know, live bait industry is one that we've really uh, started to examine and, you know, notice that there are some, there's potential for a uh, pretty big concern there. Um, so as uh, for right now, uh, our regulations are fairly good. Uh, all the uh, live bait uh, available in Minnesota is uh, produced within Minnesota, and the idea behind that is just to restrict the number of invasive species coming into the state yeah. from outside. You know, make sure that we have, you know, what we have right now uh, is all that we have to deal with. Um, so we have those regulations in place, and then we also want to make sure that uh, we're not spreading around the invasive species that are already in the state. So yeah. there's uh, regulations in place for you know. Um, yeah, disease and invasive species transmission. You know, there's uh, 
fairly rigorous testing involved with the uh, live bait trade, but there's always the potential for uh, pathogens and other invasive species to be transferred from, you know, in bait stores and stuff like that. And it might be kind of a, a, a base level question, but in what ways are we seeing some of the negative impacts of invasive species and in what ways in hopefully the near future would we see some of the benefits of the work that is going into preventing invasive species? Yeah, so some of the negatives, uh, there's been some great work coming out of uh, the Minnesota Aquatic Invasive Species Research Center. Uh, they do uh, you know, research on the impacts of invasive species as well as control methods. Uh, one of the more recent studies that they've come up with is that uh, you know, zebra mussels and spiny water fleas, which are pretty common, uh, Invasive or AIS that people are familiar with, uh, they can actually impact the growth of uh, larval and you know juvenile uh, walleye. So having these invasive species in the lake will actually uh, limit the growth. Uh, so they've you know studied lakes with and without these invasive species as well as a combination of both, and found that they're much smaller on like the walleye are hmm. much smaller on average uh, in lakes that have those. And there's also you know the impacts of uh, disease, uh, so like VHS. Um, yeah, viral hemorrhagic septicemia. Uh, that's a potentially lethal uh, fish disease that can be transferred in bait fish. Yeah. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about it coming down to something as as uh, simple as nutrition. But if the fish aren't getting as big as maybe they're used to, it's they're not getting the nutrients that they need. They're not growing. That's interesting. I hadn't considered that before. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the you know, problem with zebra mussels is that they're such uh, you know very effective uh, filter feeders that they're you know. Uh, removing a lot of the nutrients and uh, other available food from the water column and, and that you know cascades up to you know, bigger fish that depend on the species that are no longer able to find the nutrients that they need. Sure. And if you're just joining us, this is Green Visions. We're speaking with Matt Santo from the 1854 Treaty Authority uh, talking about aquatic invasive species. What are some of the things that are being messaged to the public? We're kind of in a middle ground area, sort of exiting ice fishing. And of course, uh, you know, the summertime fishing is, you know, still a ways away. But what are some of the things that uh, public, the public should keep in mind? What should anglers be either doing or just reminding themselves of going forward or, you know, perhaps even talking about ice fishing, what are some things that ice fishers should be aware of? Yeah, so one of the things to keep in mind is, you know, that clean, drain, dry principle is still applies during the winter. Uh, you know, obviously you're not taking your boat out, but there's still a lot of gear that is interacting with, uh, you know, water. Uh, so, you know, same same idea, you know, if there's, if there's mud or plant material on your uh, gear after you're done ice fishing, you know, we want to make sure that you're cleaning that off. Um, as far as uh, the bait, you know, we want to make sure that you're not releasing the live bait. Uh, after you're done with it, you know, if you're, if you have some leftover bait after you're done fishing, you know, we want to make sure that you're giving that to either another angler, you know, they're always happy to receive more bait, uh, or, you know, disposing that properly in the trash. Uh, the, uh, the risk there is that, uh, you know, obviously it's kind of counterintuitive, you know, if you're using this, you know, bait on the water, you know, what's the harm of releasing it? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the odds of a fish that you know you're using for bait surviving if it's released, you know if it's you know you spear it on a hook, it's probably not going to live long enough to impact the the body of water that you're using it on. But if you just dump, you know, half a dozen minnows into a lake, they're going to school up with other minnows, and if they have any disease, uh, the uh, risk of transmission is much higher if they're just you know actively living their life with those uh, native fish. Sure, some details to consider there. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, where can people go to get more information about this if they have further questions? Is there a good resource for them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Minnesota DNR always has great information on their website. 
Um, as I mentioned before, uh, the Minnesota Aquatic Invasive Species Research Center has some really interesting uh, research on their webpage. Uh, otherwise, you can always uh, reach out to you know invasive species specialists uh, such as myself. Uh, you can go on the 1854 website and find my contact information there, and I'd be happy to answer any questions any people have. Fantastic. Matt, thanks very much. This has been informative. Really appreciate you taking the time today. All right. Thanks, Luke. Be well. Yeah, you too. That is Matt Santo from the 1854 Treaty Authority talking about aquatic invasive species. And this has been Green Visions. Green Visions is a production of the North 1033 to encourage green thinking and green actions. Green Visions is made possible by the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future.